What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. We're here in the IB Brewing Factory, the brew house. Uh, our normal cast of characters tonight, Brad Brown, Jason Orth. Guys, how was your week? Had a pretty good weekend. I didn't do a whole lot. A lot of honeydews around the house. Uh, relaxed. Had a Saturday was a day to myself, so I got a lot of stuff caught up on. And then, of course, about 2.30, that one of those taps opened up on that fridge over there and. uh we just hit it from there uh, and enjoyed our night watching football all day and uh, flow re- and dirt vision at night. Yeah, kind of similar. I was uh, spent a lot of time just hanging out, uh, getting stuff done, cleaning up around the house, and then uh, doing a lot of grilling and um, hockey on one TV and uh, racing on the other. So. Where's our wings? Yeah, we're yeah we're That's still waiting on those wings. I, Two weeks coming. in a row. All right. <laughs> You're letting us down, Jason. Anyways, yeah, no, I, I didn't get to any races. Like I said, uh, we went out to the pumpkin patch uh, on Saturday. Uh, pretty much spent the whole day out there, and uh, lo and behold, I made a little impulse purchase while I was up in Omaha, and I picked up a uh, 2004 Mustang. Pretty cheap, so uh, got Blake, a little... Blake look, Anderson would be proud. Yeah, I got a little project car going on. <laughs> Don't you already have a project car? You know, the daily driver shouldn't be a project car, but it's turned out to be one of those lately. Anyways, uh, we all had pretty good weekends, but nobody had a good week, better weekend than our special guest co-host, uh, Stu Snyder, is joining us. Uh, Stu uh, picked up a couple of victories this weekend over at US 36 in Bethany on Saturday, man. Uh, you got that old five machine rolling pretty good this week. Yeah, that thing, uh, it's been good for, well, pretty much the whole year. We've only had a few off nights, but uh, no, it was good to... Uh, Get another win there at Cameron, and then we decided, well, heck, we're already down here. We'll just go ahead and go over there and run Bethany and uh, picked up the win there, too. So it was just a good weekend, good weekend for all of our partners, good weekend for me and Raj and the family and the wife and the kids. My mom went with us this weekend, so it was, it was a good time. I asked this question a couple of times, and I sometimes think it's a stupid question, but I ask it anyway. How did the weekend go for you? Was there any hiccups? Did it go kind of as planned, uh, minimal minimal issues uh, how did the, the whole weekend play out for you yeah we uh we pretty much do the same thing everywhere we go you know we roll the thing out and we're pretty much on the same setups and and we pretty much just change the gear but uh i i guess the only hiccup we had was on the way home <laughs> <laughs> I read we, that. <laughs> we were me and raj were driving and the wife was ahead of us uh in the durango with the with the kids and with my mom and and Ryan and uh, Allie and Bodfield were a little bit ahead of all of us. And all of a sudden I heard this noise and I looked over at Rods and he looked at me and it kind of sounded like we had chunked a tire out and on the right front. And then the next thing we know, we looked at each other again and then it went boom. So, uh, yeah, we had a little bit of a hiccup there, but we, uh, we were able to, uh, kind of pull off a NASCAR pit stop on the side of 29. It only <laughs> no. took us about 25 minutes and we were back on the road. Now between, uh, between you and, uh, Jay Russell with tire issues this year, I hope everybody has, uh, that all taken care of. It seems like every week he's blowing a, a trailer tire. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I seen him uh, at Cameron. He was pitted next to us, and the passenger side wheels on his trailer were the same. And then I seen him at Bethany, and the and the right rear corner on the trailer had a different wheel on it. So <laughs> he must have blew one Friday night too. Yeah, it seemed like it. It seems like a never ending saga on his Facebook page with a blown trailer tire. So was there any damage to the trailer? Or you just... no? I, the the thing that happened with us was it just popped the whole tread completely off in one piece and it kind of got wedged um between the fender and kind of between the axle but you know i mean of course the rest of the tire it was shredded on the wheel but i was trying to get it slowed up to where i wouldn't drag the wheel 
and kill the wheel with dragging it on the concrete. And I was able to do that successfully. But, yeah, I was a little leery. You know, it was, I think it was 1, yeah, it was probably 12.45, 1 o'clock, and we are sitting on the side of 29. You know, I, I'm not really a fan of that, but I couldn't, I couldn't exactly limp it anywhere. <laughs> it was kind of tough to turn. I'm not familiar. Where is Bethany at? So Bethany is 30 minutes east of Cameron. It's not it's not too far. You take 36 over, you know, instead of coming out of out of Cameron and going back to 29, you hang a left, go up to Highway 35 and take 35 north about 30 okay. minutes and you're there. Yeah, so it's not too much further than okay. a little a little drive out to Cameron. So. Now the drive home yeah. <laughs> in between Bethany to the gas station that we stopped at to get something to drink because I was uh, we, we we were all having anxiety attacks. The road down there was not wide enough for two lanes, and it was between Bethany to St. Joe, and it's up, it's down. It's worse than a <laughs> roller coaster, and then you got a hairpin underneath that. I mean, it was just insane. Now, the big question is, when you uh, visit the Show Me State out there in, at, in Cameron and uh, Bethany, did you guys uh, make a Waffle House visit? No, no, I'm not a fan of that place. I'm Ditto. not. I did When we go to, like, Tulsa, when we used to go down there when I was a kid, We'd always go over there and, and have it, you know, and I'm, no, I'm not a fan. My stomach, my, nope, I'm out. <laughs> Last time I ate there was at uh, Kansas City, and I got sicker than a dog after that, and I've never even come close to going to one of those places again. Yeah, yeah. last time I ate there, I think it was 97 Chili Bowl. And we're like, oh, I, oh hey, I got to go to Waffle House. And I put it out there in front of me, and I'm just like, I don't know if I can really eat this or <laughs> yeah. if I should eat it. Yeah, now, now you talk to Lori Dover or Mark Dover or Jack Dover. They love that place. Yeah, I love the Waffle House, I'm man. The Waffle House is the best place to go for racing stories. And, yeah, and when we were on the road racing with them, when I was helping him out a little bit here and there, and, and that's where they'd go, I'd just sit in the toter. <laughs> I don't even want to go in. <laughs> no wonder the pussification of America is sitting right in front of me. You <laughs> yeah, just can't yeah, handle a Waffle House. We just got to get a microwave burrito. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd rather have a Lunchable from a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> gas station suit. So, any, so anyways, on the uh, show tonight, we're going to sit down. We're going to obviously tell some stories with Stu. Uh, we're going to be joined by Brian Brown later on. Uh, he's the 2020 Knoxville Raceway Champion. He's on his way out. He might even be in PA right now getting ready for the National Open. And also after Brian, uh, Shane Stewart's going to phone the program, and uh, we're going to kind of talk 2020 with him as well. So should be a pretty good show. And uh, – I don't really have any shout-outs or anything. I mean, we really haven't done a whole lot. I mean, Stu's the one kicking ass here for the Nebraska boys. Uh, Brad, you mentioned earlier that Dover picked up a victory this weekend. Yeah, the, the only other thing we can talk about really racing-wise in Nebraska, because there isn't any racing, is uh, Dover drove up to uh, I-90, I think it was, and uh, picked up a 360 win. And uh, I think I read where that concludes his season, so... Um, Stu, you got uh, a little bit more on the agenda yet, don't you? Yeah, we're going to go down and run. Uh, Cameron's got the October Missouri State oh, uh, yeah. Nationals down there in October uh, 9th through the 11th. It's a good-paying show. I think it's uh, 400 to win on Friday, but you add that 400 up to another 200. You know, you're at 600 basically to start the show on uh, Saturday because he's locking in, I think, the top 10 or the top eight or something like that and then it's two thousand to win on saturday so uh, and it pays back pretty well too so we went down there and ran it last year uh last year with the weather that we had it ended up turning into a one night deal at the end of october 
So hopefully we can get the thing in before it gets really, really cold. Because last year it was the the truck barely started at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a 410 race in Lakeside in a couple of weeks, and you had started a, a race with the World of Outlaws earlier this year at I 80. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to go back and redo that entire night uh, <laughs> and, and maybe find some speed or, or just unload it and do what we've been doing and and try it again. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll have to haul her out at Matt Jewell and, and see if maybe that thing might be available again. <laughs> you know, on the bright side, if you look at the World Outlaw points, they're sitting 145th. So, hey, I that's mean. not bad. That's a solid top. Uh, what was it? 145th. That's a solid top 150. <laughs> You know, that's kind of what we were joking about the other night at uh, Bethany. who was kind of low on cars and whatnot. Well, it was a solid top 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solid you know. top 10. So you mentioned that uh, Bethany was a little bit low on cars. Uh, um, you know, I really haven't heard about that racetrack until this year when you started to run there. I know Drukey ran up there a couple times. Is that something that, you know, you think that the more they run the 305s out there, they're going to get more cars showing up? Kind of like what Cameron did. You know, when they first started, there was five, six cars. Now they're actually getting... A decent uh, field of cars here and there throughout the year. Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, John and, and all those guys down there that help him out and gals, you know, they've they busted their butts to kind of put that place back on the map. And, and they worked their butts off definitely on the track this, this summer to make it a really awesome race and a really, you know, awesome racetrack to race on. We're not tearing up a bunch of cars anymore. We're not tearing up equipment without getting upside down. And, you know, he, he kind of transitioned that over into Bethany. And, you know, it, it's it's nice to be able to drive that far, but then know the next night we can run somewhere else that's only 30 minutes away. You know, and, and I want to see some some Nebraska guys actually get off the – we'll just call it like it is, to get off the porch. What Put your car in, in the trailer and let's go PA racing, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we'll we use the PA terminology. Yeah. Let, let's go, you know, make some shows everywhere else. I mean, Eagle's done. You know, there's nowhere else to really go. Even when Eagle was racing, there was other options on a Friday or on a Sunday or on a Thursday. And I think out of everybody kind of around the area, Tyler Drukey, Toby Chapman, and, and myself were kind of the only ones that really went and, and did a bunch of traveling. I mean, there's a few guys that went out and did some, but we kind of just did a lot more. And I think that that would help for sure. I mean, it's only two and a half hours away. Yeah, I always thought that that Friday night, uh, Saturday, Friday night up at Cameron, then a, a Saturday night deal at Eagle would be something you know pretty nice to do because I mean, like you said, it's only two and a half hours away. Yeah. It's, it's an easy drive. I mean, you guys got guys got from Missouri like Jay Russell coming down to Eagle almost every week. So I mean, it's yeah, and it, it kind of makes for a, a slow start to your Saturday morning. You know, you're getting home at at uh, midnight or one o'clock, but I mean, you know, you're racing two nights a week. I mean, why not? And, it, and it's close. Tells you where I'm at. You guys say it's, it's only a two-and-a-half-hour drive. I'm like, <laughs> shit, like it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we went uh, with the 360 earlier this year going off the, the miles and the hours you just said. We went up to uh, Park Jefferson and ran there, and then we drove all the way down and ran Burlington, Iowa, and then back home on that Sunday from Des Moines, from staying at, at the at the Higday household, it uh, that was a lot of miles in one weekend. Yeah, it definitely sounds like I a, would need a two day vacation yeah. just to catch up before I go to work. <laughs> yeah, and then back to work on Monday. It yeah, was I've fun. said this before though. I mean, we're we're just spoiled with opportunity around here anymore. I think people look at it and go, oh, it's sure, three hundred five. Yeah, it's like, dude, there. Are, we mentioned five five places already that you could have gone, and, yeah. and on a regular basis, and I, it's. It's it's. I don't know if we've had it this good for a while, and with just as many places to run. If you want to go watch a sprint car race, 
and you live anywhere around here, there is no, you know, there, there's no shortage of them. I mean, I don't well, know what, what you'd ever complain about because well, there's tons one, of car racing. One track we haven't even talked about is Junction Motor because due to COVID, they didn't really even race this year. Yeah. And they usually have a couple races as well, and that's 45 yeah. minutes west mm-hmm. of Lincoln. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, you could – you could fill up your summer in this area, and you'd get 360s and 305s, and then this year we got a 410 race. But, yeah, you could you could race all over in this area for two and a half hours away. So. Yeah, and, and if you didn't want to travel two and a half hours on a Friday, go two hours and go to Denison. Yeah. yeah. You know, they reworked that place here, I don't know, I don't know how many years ago. Four or five years ago. A while back, ago. they kind of shortened it down, and, and yeah. it's not as big, but it's still just as fast. It's a lot of fun, too. It, it's still... You're still flat out like you used to be. You're just a little bit shorter of a straightaway. Yeah, you you had a scary incident out there at yeah, Denison. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I told the wife and Raj and everybody that we weren't going back there this year for my birthday. And I, I can't actually remember if we did or if we didn't because the last time I went there on my birthday, I completely destroyed Eldon's car and, you know, climbed over a guy's right rear tire going into one and, and just annihilated that thing and spent – about two days in a hospital out in Charlotte, and yeah, it was it was not exactly fun. So we have we we're gonna try and miss that one on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't call you Superman for no reason at all. So I mean, that kind of proves the point right there. You know, the uh, little hospital stay and you're back kicking ass yeah. everywhere you go. So I might not remember a little bit here or there, but whatever. <laughs> Sometimes it's I know better I'm if in you the don't same remember. Room, I guess. Well, <laughs> just the fact that you can crawl back in one of those things after the yeah. two incidents uh, is just it just. Is is impressive and amazing, and you kind of rank right up there with a cowboy, a bull rider. Those guys are crazy some bitches, and so are you. And and I've seen, you know, we've seen guys who've had those wrecks, and they weren't the same after that. And you know, and that's where Stu, you've 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 really, uh, I I almost argue, you've even gotten faster. So you know, yeah, everybody's kind of asked me that lately. What made you kind of a little bit faster this year? There's a little man standing over there, probably in the garage right now, helping Raj. Work on the car while I'm over here, and that, that little man's definitely kind of made me step up in the seat per se, I guess, you know, and and just try and leave something for him to say, you know, or people to talk about, I guess. Yeah, I was going to ask you how that uh, fatherhood's changed you as it's not only cool. a driver but also as a person. So it's pretty cool, you know. Some some drivers, I guess, think of it. Well, what if I get hurt or this or that? And I think if I thought that way, I'd probably just hire some people to drive our stuff. And, Roger would probably fire me. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think it, it makes me drive even harder. Just so he's, you know, when, when people ask him when he's older about me or whatnot, or, we, you know, we got I got a little bit of credit or whatnot. Yeah, dad's a badass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my dad's super fast, you know, something like that, I guess. But he, he he's not really a fan yet of the wing dance. We tried yeah, that we saw that. <laughs> saw that uh... We tried that at Cameron, and he wasn't really a fan of that, so. Maybe in a couple years. Well, last week you got win number eight and nine on the season, and even though the season's been an abbreviated season, that's that's a hell of a year in everybody's book. So uh, um, it, it's kind of a, a statement right there that you're you're not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, you're you're still right there to the front. You're a force. Nine wins. I mean, did you and and I mean everybody wants to win every race, but did you really fathom that you were going to win nine races this year? No, no, for sure. I are kind of goal that that me and bodfield always talk about before the you know we get the thing started well let's win five well we we did that one year with eldon in 2011 and we were lucky enough to get the 360 championship at eagle and we've never we've never really beat that i think we had seven six or seven that year 
and we'd never really beat that. And then this year, we, we kind of set the same goal of five, and I thought, well, that might be kind of a stretch. This 305 deal is getting pretty competitive. Yeah. But, you know, and a lot of us are, you know, kind of jumping down more so out of the 360 weekly stuff and, and running more 305s. And, and then we're, you know, we're still on the hunt for maybe 10 or maybe 11, and then we're done. <laughs> I still think you're 30 Running behind races. Kyle Larson. Yeah, so. for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I seen your sheet you put up, and I was like, oh, cool, I made that list. And then I look at the top, I'm like, well, that's kind of depressing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you cut off Kyle Larson's name off that list, and you're right up there. So. Yeah, we're, we're still at the top, I guess, with, with uh, the rest of the, I guess, sprint car drivers that are normal aliens. people. Because <laughs> he's just phenomenal to watch. I mean, if you watch him live or you watch him on TV, the things that he does with a race car is just insane. Yeah, definitely. And he's definitely the class of the field out there right now. And I, I think Brad's checking his list right yeah, now. Yeah, you'd, you'd be tied for seventh right now. So that's, that's uh, not too rid bad. Let's we'll, we'll jump up and see if we can't get up yeah. there with uh, yeah, we'll Brad Sweet, Cap Henry. That'd be okay. That'd yeah. be a nice list to be a part of. You're, you got a couple more opportunities. So, yes, sir. Hopefully, we can uh, go down there to Cameron and do what we've done. The last couple of times we've been there, it's kind of nice to finally win at that place. Oh, I imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned earlier when, when he actually picked up that victory that, you you know, I, I mentioned it, it was kind of a big fuck you to that racetrack. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that place put me in the hospital for two weeks in ICU in a coma. You know, I still say I died in the helicopter. I don't remember because I don't remember anything. I remember shutting the door and that's about it. But that was, and that that was a non-wing race, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we were running USAC non-wing with the 410 and I was driving for uh, Charlie Scheidegger out of Missouri and, and we had been running pretty decent on that tour. Then the night before, I think we actually set quick time with those guys at Grain Valley, and then all hell broke loose in the feature on on I don't know what at Cameron. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what night it was. <laughs> and that, that we were supposed to go the next to, to Sunday. We were supposed to go to Oskaloosa. Yeah, that, run over there, and then I think that kicked off like the Nationals week mm-hmm. or whatnot. And I, yeah, I didn't make it to that one. Yeah, that was not your only hospital visit at that racetrack. I remember back in uh, driving no. for Don Williams. You. Uh, yeah, had a little, for them. They had a little stay in the hospital up there on one of the ASCS Midwest shows. Yep, and yelled at them because they were going to cut my fire shoot that time too. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, both times, you know, I guess when we got to the hospital um, from the USAC crash, they didn't even think anything was really wrong with me besides a concussion. And then in, in walked these life flight uh, pilots, I guess, and my mom and my dad and everybody, you know, family, they were all sitting there and they're like, oh boy, we're going somewhere we're going somewhere else. It's, this isn't good, but now we turned out all right. I just wow. kind of forget where I am sometimes. <laughs> do, you, do you? And this is? Do you have a screws and stuff in your neck? Or no? They actually were. It was broke, and with the damages everywhere else in my body, they couldn't imagine that I was up and fully functional and knew who I was and knew what was going on. They didn't. They didn't. Never. They've never seen that. I guess wow. with the extent of the injuries that I had. And the only person that could basically wanted to do surgery or, you know, would do surgery was in New Zealand where they could actually go in through the back of my throat and fix the C1 where it's, where it's still shattered. Um, but it's, you know, they just told us over time it'll, you know, have scar tissue and a bunch of other stuff kind of grow yeah. around it and then it'll be stable enough. But, yeah, they for sure said that we probably shouldn't race anymore. But you know, they tell you a lot of things you shouldn't do. And here you are nine wins later. In yeah, and we're just I, – I still go with the theory I'm safer in that race car than I am driving down the highway. Yeah, I, I would agree with you mm. most times, so. 
<laughs> so uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to jump on the hotline with Brian Brown and talk a little Knoxville Raceway and n- National Open stuff. Uh, also going to come back with some more stories with Stu. So everybody hang tight, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are now joined on the hotline by the 2020 Knoxville Raceway champion, Brian Brown. Uh, Brian, it sounds like you're in PA right now. Uh, uh, how's the, how's your season rolling around so far? Yeah, I actually come home for a couple of days. I haven't been home for about a month, so this is stuff I need to take care of home. So I'm home again until uh, Friday, and then we'll go uh, head back out there. And, you know, another big weekend out there with uh, the National Open and then you know, obviously, uh, next weekend again with Port Royal with the Outlaws. So, uh, somewhat uh, of a lackluster trip really out there for us. We've uh, we shown some speed at times um, throughout the night, but um, a little bit of bad luck and a little bit of self-inflicted wounds um, haven't had the results we'd hoped for. But uh, you know, a seventy-five thousand dollar win on Saturday night will uh, wash away a lot of those uh, heartbreaks. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, self-inflicted wounds. I wasn't going to bring it up, but Steve brought it up. Kind of, kind of explain what happened with that whole deal. I, I vaguely, I, I caught a little bit of it here and there. I didn't see it happen, but uh, apparently, there's no no jacks on the track. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I guess you can just chalk it up. I mean, I'm the owner, I'm the driver, so uh, I'm the one that goes to the drivers' meeting, and I guess at that point. You know, I heard him talking about you could change wings and that you couldn't change wings, and I, I really didn't. I just assumed, you know, most every open open red or, or fuel stop, because uh, we couldn't go 40 laps, is, is pretty across the board, whether it's the Outlaws or All-Stars or ASDS or whatever it is. You could do anything you want to the car. You can't change a tire, and if you want to change a spacer, you have to get an official. So, um, you know, our our thought was at the break, you know, like we did at the Knoxville Nationals, like we do at Tuscarora 50, uh, we would jack the car up and grind our tires. It just, uh, it just gives you a better opportunity of maybe not sealing a tire up when, a, when, the, when the tire gets hot and set there for five or minutes or eight minutes or whatever it is. And uh, their rule is um, you, cannot ha- you cannot have a jack on the track, period. So, um, 
we we seen other guys grinding their tires, and we we obviously just jacked ours up because we could speed wise we could probably do it twice as quick doing it that way. And um, they uh, they come by and said, hey, there's no no jacks on the on the on the track, and by us jacking our car up, you know, we're put to the tail. So uh, pretty harsh penalty. Um, but like I said, you know, on Twitter and social media, rules are rules, and uh, you know, it wasn't. You know, we didn't try to break them on purpose. We weren't putting on a special tire or putting in special fuel or doing whatever. We were just doing what everybody else did, but trying to do it in a in a faster manner. And, um, you know, it got us. And uh, they gave us the option. We could just go to the tail. But we've tore a little bit of stuff up out there, you know, the past couple of weeks. And, you know, big races coming up, starting 21st and trying to run through the, run through the field when I wasn't too happy. Um probably wasn't the best mixture so we just chose to head to the house and uh call it a night and like i said just uh i wish there was some cool reason we did it and you know uh, you know that but at the end of the day um it's on my shoulders and uh i'll wear it and, um we'll know better if we if we get a chance to go back there again sometime well, it, it it all makes sense with what you're explaining. So, it's not like you were cheating and trying to cheat or anything like that. But uh, I guess the intent of the rule is the intent of the rule, and they can't make a judgment call like that. So, uh, I'm well, completely I think understand. The, I think the thing too, I think the thing too is, is like they have two officials trying to mandate 24 cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I was towards the front because we were running second. Like, what's going on back there in turn three? I mean, it just you know it's. It is what it is. Like I said, it's, um, at the end of the day, you know, when you get, when you look back, you know, we were, Anthony, I don't think we would have beat Anthony anyway. So when you look back, the, the money would have been nice. But in, if you ask in three weeks who ran second at the Jim Mason Memorial, people are going to scratch their head and not remember. So it doesn't really matter at this point. We have to look forward to, uh, to the national open and what's in the, what's in the rear view mirror is, uh, we can't change. Well, you've been going to Pennsylvania for the last several years now. What's uh, what's the lure of you going to Pennsylvania? I don't know that uh, F- is FEP out there in that area. I know Casey's isn't, but uh, you go back there and and you have a pretty good um, trip every year. So, what is the lure of you going to Pennsylvania? The big half mile tracks that you're really good at, or is just um, better competition or good competition? So it just makes you better. What's 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 the reasoning behind your trip every year to go out to Pennsylvania for this little month-long stint? Yeah, I mean, really, it started off as just a couple-week stint uh, in 2017, and we had some luck, and we, you know, we won a few races back there. Um, you know, obviously, if you want to get better, you know, and compete with the outlaws, you know, night in and night out, you have to be able to race, race against tough competition, and race against race four ten races. I feel like. Um, and, you know, really once Knoxville gets over here, normally the outlaws head west, um, you know, to California, and there's just not a lot of racing going on around here, no. um, 410-wide. Lots of lots of good 360 shows, but just not a lot of 410 shows. So our, our thinking is, is our engine builders back there, Charlie Garrett, we have a few few partners back there. FEP is getting some more presence towards that east coast. Um, that it's a good opportunity for us to go and, I think we ran 14, 12 or 14 races in like 17 or 18 days. So it's, it's a lot of being able to go out there and run, run a lot of races in a short period of time. The travel is an hour here, an hour there. There's not a lot of travel that goes on. So, um, it just makes sense. Um, 
Um, like I said, I, I would love to con- be able to continue to do as long as we as we race. And it's going to be a little bit different this year if you know if the I, I was I'm a partner in the I seventy race on the promotion side. If that would have happened, um, we wouldn't have went for you know for as long as um, if Knoxville would have ran the rest of their races. You know, that ran through most of September. So a lot changed real quick there that made our mind up to just go ahead. We were just going to skip. We were going to go to Houston's and then go to, you know, head-to-head there. But Houston's to home is eight hours and another 16 there. So that was just going to be a long trip, you know, short period of time. So we just chose to head head east a little quicker. And like I said, we, we love going back there. The fans, you know, they're great. They uh, they buy the shirts like they're going out of style. And, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a good... It's just a good vibe uh, being back there and racing with with you know that type of competition. Their competition, you know, as good as Knoxville, they're they're they they're, they're tough and you know they make us make us work. And I feel like the last three weeks we've learned more about our race car and our and our team than we have three months prior. So it's a lot of good things have come out of this trip. You mentioned uh, kind of the Knoxville canceling the races. You you're your partner with the I seventy race. How has this whole COVID situation kind of been a struggle for you to throw a throw a schedule together, basically when you don't know what's racing, you know, two weeks from now? Yeah, it's um, when we when all this happened, you know, uh, when it started, we we went to Florida and we run like six times, and this then it all happened. Um, and it was like, oh, this will be this will be done here in a week or two, and next thing you know, that's two or three weeks, and that's a month. And my, like in my mind, I'm thinking. If we run thirty or forty shows, thirty-five or forty shows, that's going to be a lot. I mean, that, that was I was thinking as an owner and trying to, you know, as a business plan, trying to keep our partners involved and keep our partners aware of what we're thinking. Um, I think last Saturday is our fifty-eighth race, so you know, normally on a normal year, I think we had seventy-two to seventy-five planned. So I feel like that if everything we hit everything, we're going to be in that mid-sixty range give or take a few based on the weather so we really didn't really miss that many races when it comes down to it you know we've we've been to pennsylvania for a month we haven't had one rain out knock on wood so we've been forged even though the covid you know grabbed a lot there's been a lot of makeup races and things like that that, that have went on that has allowed us to make up the races so when you sit down at the end of the year i think we'll only miss maybe 10 races and that's that's not a lot so um i'm glad that we were able to make up that many um, doing 30 uh, would have been, a, would have been, you know, kind of unfortunate, but uh, 60 or 65, 68 in that range uh, is still a, a good amount uh, of races uh, in, in a year with a, with a pandemic. Well, I got two questions and we're not going to drag this on forever, but I got two questions and then we'll maybe end it. But uh, we told you we were going to talk about the Knoxville raceway season with you and you had three wins in Knoxville and you had a pretty big uh, points lead uh, and, and wrapped up another championship. So how did you, uh, how did you think your season went in Knoxville this year? Yeah, I, I feel like that. Um, we, we, you know, we, it was a, it was a good year. You know, we won, you know, a three sixty race there. We, you know, we won three races, um, but I feel like we're just uh, off a little bit from where I've been there in the past. Even the races we've won, I just I come home on Sunday and Monday and tell my crew chief Chad, I like we won, but we are not as good as we could be. Um, 
And that's really why we do the trip after the after the season too, to Pennsylvania because a lot of the tracks are somewhat similar. They're not they're not Knoxville, but they are have some of the same characteristics that you get there on the Saturday night and you know you you qualify and you and you, you get ready to run the heat and it's hard to just try something that may not work and you you know the competition at Knoxville you can run fifth sixth seventh real easy and then get out get lost a little bit so we kind of stay in a real real small box and that's probably more on my end than my crew chief Chad's end um, I'm I'm more let's just stay the path. He's more, let's try to get better, and I'm trying to mix a little bit of that to, to, you know, to make us better. Um, but I feel like that we're we're getting further away from the goal rather than closer to the goal just because of what the way these tires have changed and uh-huh. things like that. I feel like if we could go back there right now after we've been in Pennsylvania for a month, I think we would be way better um, from the things we've learned. So with that being said, I feel like we had a good year there. I feel like it's the one and only, um, you know, I, I uh, had an issue with with a ignition switch in our in our qualifier that put us behind the eight ball. But I feel like we were a top five car at that event. Um, but I feel like if we go back now, I feel like I'm, I'm excited to get back there and try the things we've learned because I think some of the things we struggled with, we figured out how to cure them. And uh, we should be even better, uh, you know, next year there. Well, that was going to be my next question is, have you learned anything at Pennsylvania that's going to carry over to Knoxville? And not only Knoxville, I mean, you, you do a lot of traveling all over the country and especially the Midwest. I was just, that was my next question. Did you learn anything in, in Pennsylvania so far that uh, is going to help you carry over for uh, next year and, and, and your season next year? Yeah, I think, you know, we really have. I think uh, sometimes when you run Knoxville on Saturday and then there are times throughout the year that you don't race again until the next Saturday at Knoxville, you can come in on Monday and think what you know to fix it. And then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go along. And if you do try some stuff, you're so you try five different things rather than just one. Um, and you can, you maybe throw all five out after hot laps of qualifying. and say, well, that doesn't work. We're in Pennsylvania. We race Williams Grove on Friday. Um, we go to the car wash, get back to the hotel at two o'clock. And we race again the next day at six o'clock. So it's not, you just apply small little things, try them. Yep, that's better, that's worse. Okay, what's, there's no points on the line. We're, we're not out anything by trying stuff at that at, out there. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to, I could see in the world on Saturday night. It was unfortunate what happened, but I felt like that's the best race car I've probably had in a year and a half. So that's, good that's good in my mind good for our team good for our morale um yeah we didn't get we didn't get to finish the deal but i feel like that um a lot of good has come out of this trip um not really the results wise but to be able to try things and and learn i feel like that uh we're definitely on the right path so you you gotta be pretty <laughs> excited about uh, this coming weekend yeah i mean a little bit um you know we've We've always qualified really well there, but we've never really can put a whole night together. I think I run fifth at the National Open last year, but I started on the pole and went backwards to the fifth. So I feel like this year there we are racing better. You know, heat races, the features and whatnot, but our qualifying's off a little bit. So uh, we really dug back to the notes this week and, and really, you know, 
looked at, okay, what's different from, you know, um, 2018, 17, and 2019? What are we doing different? Why are we not qualified as well? And um, we found a few things. I feel like our qualifying should be better, um, you know, with the outlaws. You cannot go in there and, and lay an egg qualifying or you'll bury yourself. You have to qualify good. That's that's half the battle. Um, so if we can go in there and qualify, you know, like we think we can and be in, the, you know, the top six and get off the front of the heat, I feel like we're racing better there. I feel like every single time I, I leave there, I feel like, gosh, we have a 30-lap race and I put 15 good laps together. Um, yeah, I just haven't put the whole night as a whole feature event. It's just, Williams Grove is probably the most technical racetrack you could possibly imagine. It's, it's the toughest racetrack I feel like on a driver because there's so many different lift points, there's so many different angles, there's so many different lines that there's so much going on. You're right in front of a mile in the air, and you're trying to walk. Okay, what am I going to lift? What? I mean, there's just a lot going on that. And that, um, that's going to be scary. Bottom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I haven't interrupted you. Know, you. you I was going to say that's got to be yeah, scary no, you, having that front tire off the ground. Well, and and you know, as for a while there, I'm like, you know, as a driver, I just I told Chad, "Hey, I don't want my right front in the air. All right, we'll do whatever we got to do. I don't, I don't like that <laughs> feeling." But you, your car lays that way because you're 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 freed up enough to be able to roll the corner. And when you get your wing back, it plants your left rear into the ground. Your right front comes off the ground. Well if you get your car where it doesn't do that and then you slow down into the corner, now you're going to be tight. So you've got to get your car down and you pick the right front off the ground to be able to maneuver when you get in behind cars and, and whatnot. So I've learned to be able to race like that and control the throttle a little bit more on the straightaway. So maybe it doesn't do it as bad, but you know, there's, there's been times I've been leading a letter race there one time. and I feel like I'm, I was pretty good rolling the bottom and here come, here come Greg Hodnett around the top. So I moved to the top. Well, next thing you know, here he comes through the middle. So I could see him. So I moved to the middle and then next thing you know, he went right back by me on the bottom. So it's just, <laughs> there's a lot. The, the, the track just changes throughout that 30 lap event and you just have to know, Oh gosh, I'm not making any speed. I've, I've got to move. And, uh, it's, it's, it's as tough as it gets. I can promise you that. If you win a race at Williams Grove, you earned it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we let you go, I want to change gears a little bit. I've been going through a bunch of old racing uh, VHS tapes and kind of converting stuff and putting them on YouTube. And I'm in the 2004 Outlaw era right now. And it's kind of when you made your, uh, when the world became aware of who Brian Brown was. If you could go back now for what you know and tell Brian Brown from 2004 a little bit of advice, what would that be? Well, that's a good question. That's not a cookie cutter question like we <laughs> talked about before I got on the air. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't apologize. Yeah, I, I, no, 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 no. That, that's good. I, I like I like good questions like that. I, I I think that I don't think I would tell myself much different. I, I feel like that you know we've I've learned a lot on the on the way. Um, I think probably what I would do back then is just you know, concentrate. I feel like my, my Achilles heel as a driver are the short tracks. And maybe back then in 2004, I would just go to California for a year and just get my teeth kicked in and pay my dues. And just, I feel like kill my Achilles heel. And we have good runs from time to time on short tracks, but I don't feel like I'm near what I should be as a driver on a short track. And, um, 
I think that's probably the, the, the biggest thing. And, you know, um, we've been very, very lucky over the years to, to meet a lot of good people, a lot of good partners, a lot of good sponsors, a lot of good friends, a lot of good family. Um, my crew chief has been with me for 12 years. So there's, we've, we've had a, had a good run here. So, uh, yeah, I probably, that, that would be the biggest thing I probably would do is just polish up my, you know, my short track program. Um, I feel like when we go to Knoxville or I 80 or Williams Grove or Stevens Grove or Fort Royal, I can run with, run with the outlaws. But when we go to say a Houston, I feel like that I'm going to be a fifth to 12th place car in my opinion. And that's, I mean, I got to get better. And that's our goal, you know, really next year, Yes, I'm, we're going to race. I mean, we're going to try to run as much as we can in as many places as we can because I feel like that's the only way you're going to learn and get better. And, you know, whether that's PA Speed Week or Ohio Speed Week or, you know, wherever it is, we're going we're gonna to go race. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to it. No, I think there's um, one, one other thing I always wondered, and you talk about, you know, the short tracks and that. Is there any sort of, you know, coming in the future, are there any sort of goals, anything that you are really wishing you could pull off? I mean, I would say Knoxville Nationals, obviously, because of your uh, success at Knoxville. But is there just something out there left, a goal, uh, something that you want to attain yet that's still on the table for you? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously the Knoxville Nationals are, 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 are big. You know, I want to I want to win a race at Williams Grove. I want to win a race at Eldora. Um, we want to race at Devil's Bowl. We want to race at Jackson. Um, uh, so, so when when you hang your helmet up, you can say, "Hey, I want to race at all the big tracks." I mean, that 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 were the ones that mean the most, uh, that have the most history. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, those are our our goals. I mean, the Knoxville Nationals. I mean, it's I think it's pretty well known what that means to me and what how I feel about that that race. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm 41 years old. I feel like I still have a lot of life, a lot of left to prove, a lot of races still in me. Uh, I definitely want to run until I'm in my, in my, in my fifties. So, um, I don't feel like I'm, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I haven't hit my peak yet. Honestly, I feel like that I'm still learning and still getting better as a driver. Um, and I think we're getting better as a team. Um, Sometimes you show up when you're young and you just, you just race on raw talent. Sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. I think as you get older, you know, the experience kind of comes in and you can, you can learn and kind of outsmart guys at times. And I feel like I'm kind of in between that stage and I feel like that I'm still learning. And my crew chief, Chad Morgan, you know, has been with me like this for 12 years. He's still learning. You know, we got great partners with SEP and Casey. So uh, they're behind us. So I feel like we're, we're not, we're still sky's the limit on, on what we can accomplish. Um, we can go win the Kings World. We can go win the National Open. We can go win the Knoxville National multiple times. I still feel like. So uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, as bad of a year as I felt like it's been for us, bad luck-wise, just performance-wise, I, I feel like our confidence right now is, is as high as it's been in you know, a while. And, you know, confidence breeds confidence. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to Williams Grove on Friday. Well, when you win the Knoxville Nationals, I'm going to get a couple free beers on you at Dingus, if that's all right with you. <laughs> yep, that's, that's definitely, um, I'm not doing it for the money, so if we spend 175000 beer, it's, 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 it's so be it. We'll be the only only driver that won the Knoxville Nationals and, and didn't leave with a dime. So that, that's fine. As long as, as, long as, as long as I can get up when I'm 60, 70 years old and 
walk out to the living room and see that Knoxville Nationals trophy. That's, you know, it's, I don't think there's anybody. The money's good on Monday morning when you go to the bank. But, yeah. you know, it's, if they told us before the driver's meeting, hey, we're going to race, we're not going to have the money, we're just going to race for the trophy, I don't think there'd be anybody that would, that would not race. So uh, yeah. it's just it's just the most iconic race in our sport and uh, the most history. Um, and I feel like going there as a kid, that it would mean as much to me as anybody that has ever won it. And um, maybe that's being a little bit selfish, but I feel that way. There's you get people from California that come and they hear about Knoxville and they show up one time. And, and, you know, I just feel like I, I want it. I, I've been there and uh, I grew up there as a kid. And I, 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 I get excited every opportunity I can to go back there and try to win that race. Yeah, one thing's for sure is whenever we're at the Nationals, I'm always rooting for that 21. Yeah. Well, I got I got 10 gallons of FEP antifreeze right over here in the corner of my garage ready to winterize my camper and my boat. So uh, they, they help you out, and, and race fans support uh, sponsors. So uh, um, you got to support the FEP. But uh, last question we promise you, and this is probably not the, the most – it's not a cookie-cutter question, but Pittsburgh versus Kansas City, how many points you give me? Pittsburgh still got a team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're three and zero, just like the Chiefs. I figured Roethlisberger. I didn't know did they, did they get him out of the senior citizen home? It sounded like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's got braces everywhere, but uh, he, he's he's doing well right now. So uh, I think no, yeah, they, 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 they look they look good. I mean, it's uh, I, I really wasn't that high on Baltimore, um, and the Chiefs played real well last night, and beat them, um, and they did. Baltimore didn't play very well, so uh, I feel like Baltimore will still be around. But I think Pittsburgh will be, will beat Baltimore once or maybe not twice. And I think you know it's it, I think one and two, you know, when it comes down the end of the year, will be probably Kansas City and Pittsburgh. And uh, Pittsburgh had our number for a lot, a lot of years. And uh, as long as we got number fifteen behind center, I, I'll take our chances against uh, against Jesus Christ. Man, I tell you, he he makes it look so easy. It's it's a it's a thrill to watch that guy. It's amazing. It's it's, it's lucky when you got Kyle Larson playing quarterback. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's definitely not, it makes it look real easy. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely. appreciate that. All right, well, Brian, I want to thank you for jumping on, taking time out of your day. Uh, good luck this weekend uh, coming up in PA, and uh, hopefully you uh, knock off that seventy five grand uh, national open win. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you. I've, I've listened to a couple of your guys' shows. I, it, you got you and Brandon and. and and Brad are good guys. I've known you guys for a long time. It's uh, cool to see you guys doing this. And uh, anything I can to help you guys uh, along the way, I'll be more than happy and uh, keep up the good work. All right. That was Brian Brown uh, talking a little National Open, a uh, little uh, trash talk with the Steelers there. Uh, Brad and I both say uh, <laughs> go Steelers. Yes, sir. Steel curtain, baby. We asked too many Probably cookie-cutter questions, but uh, Brian handled it pretty well. And so uh, uh, there was a couple more I had, but uh, it was getting to be a little I long. I think so he gave, time to shut her you up. know, a lot of great in-depth, you know, kind of a, a, a very uh, experienced perspective on how things are and, and racing in general. And definitely, you know, the mind of a veteran there. It was, it was kind of, it's very interesting to hear his so, perspective. Stu, Stu means you're a driver, and I, I know that you've raced against uh, Brian because he's come up here several times. What's uh, What's your... I don't know your take on Brian and on the track with between you and him and and just driving three sixties around the area. He's tough, you know. He's always been really tough. But I think the question I wanted to ask was how do you like you know he mentioned that he was a driver owner. You know what? How do you balance that between sitting in the car, 
to then drive down the highway in the truck or the trailer or, or you know, flying home. Like he said, he's back home. I'm sure the truck and trailer is still out there in oh, PA. Sure. They're not going to drive that thing back. How do you balance that between, I guess, both sides of it to where you're still 100% competitive and your mind is 100% on going to the front no matter what? And then, you know, we all know these things can tip themselves over. It's never us. It's always it's, the car. But. How much is that move going <laughs> to yeah, cost me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and I've, I've struggled with that with the 360 side of things. So I'm not going to make that maneuver. Or, well, we're going into a show here that we've got one set of tires because that's all we can afford. Um, how do we make them last? Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump on the hotline with Shane Stewart. All right, guys, welcome back. We are now joined on the hotline by the driver of the Indy Race Parts number 71, Shane Stewart. Shane, man, how's it going? It's going, man. I'm sitting in PA. It rained all day today, so we um, we just hung out. We went and toured the Yingling Brewery today, which is kind of cool. It's, it's the oldest uh, brewery in America, which is pretty interesting. But, yeah, we're, uh, you know, I haven't uh, been away from my house for a whole week, uh, at all this year. Um, you know, normally when I race, you know, I either fly and race for the weekend and then, and then go back home or, you know, with Bernie, um, obviously he's got to get back home and, and run a speed shop. So, uh, Bernie left after Lernerville and drove back to Indy and me and the crew guys drove up to, um, Jonestown and been hanging out the KOA having a good time. But, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm like life back on the road minus my family. So, uh, it's been kind of strange this week to be honest. Okay. You piqued my interest. I'm a home brewer. I brew my own beer. And so you said Yingling and Yingling is one of the best in the country. Uh, did they give a lot of free samples there and so forth? Cause I hear they're going to expand nationwide, which I can't wait for, but, uh, uh, that was a pretty good tour, huh? We've been partaking in the free samples, yeah. the IB brews. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did give a few samples out. Um, so they obviously have, you know, two really big breweries, uh, which I didn't realize, but one's down in Tampa. Uh, there's another one that's uh, here in PA. 
but the, the original one uh, is small uh, and it's only open from five to nine or, or no, it wasn't even that. Uh, it was like six to something. I can't remember, but it only operates five days a week and they generate 800,000 cans of beer a day. Wow. And uh, so they are, they are going nationwide. And um, the lady kind of talked about that, about how much that they've had to, expand the business to be able to accommodate um everything but it is a good beer um and uh it was just really interesting to see you know because that that's a it started you know over a hundred years ago yeah yeah and uh it was all done underground um and uh it's it was pretty interesting it's a pretty cool place well pretty cool i, I love that stuff so <laughs> yeah so uh, one thing, one thing we're we're really big on on here is uh, stories on the podcast. We we kind of try to shy away from your cookie cutter questions about like how your weekend was and whatnot. Uh, we got Stu Snyder here, and he was telling us a little story about. Uh, I guess he went out to California and were driving a midget, and he kept you uh, kept you at the shop all all night long, and you were falling falling asleep out there and on like a like a workbench basically. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of let Stu kind of start off the story and kind of fill in from there. Yeah. In my defense, I asked him if he wanted to go home. <laughs> and he wanted to stay at the shop and get stuff ready. And, and uh, we had him come out there. And I was working for Cruz uh, Pedregon at the time. And Jerome Rodella was the main driver. And we had another car. And Cruz said, hey, I hired one of them wing guys to come out and drive for us. And, and he said, Shane Stewart. And I said, oh, that's pretty badass. That dude's cool. And, and, he's, and he's good. He's real good. And, uh, no, we, we had a lot of fun. I, I think the first night at Ventura didn't really go as planned, but, uh, I'll let Shane kind of elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I actually crashed. Uh, I think it was in the feature at Ventura and I, you know, I'd never been to Ventura Speedway. Obviously I'd seen pictures and knew the history of the track, but man, to, to go race at a track that's literally across the street from the ocean was, was pretty cool for me. And I, at that time, I had done a little bit of traveling, but but not much out west. So, um, to have the opportunity to go race for a guy like Cruz, and um, yeah, the first uh, venture with Josh and all them, and and um, uh, who was the who was the other uh, guy driving? Um, Jerome Rodella. Jerome, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and, and it was and, basically uh, like at his shop, and and that's kind of how i got involved with that whole deal was i always helped jerome when they come back here to run the midgets at belleville and right. eagle and whatnot with shane scully and and uh yep. he said hey why don't you just fly out here and live out here and help me run this team because it was just basically yeah. like me and him and, and josh and uh then that's how i kind of met you more on a you know buddy level i guess and and uh got to race with you a little bit yeah no we Obviously, I, I I don't have much midget, midget experience, you know, other than racing the Chili Bowl a few times prior to going out and racing for Cruz, and then and then you gave me another opportunity to go race at Tucson and a um, little bit bigger track than than Ventura, and uh, almost won the darn race, and it uh, kind of uh, catapulted into other, other things and start opening uh, more and more eyes again. And, and it got me into some really big rides, but I kind of felt like that was a huge, uh, you know, boost for me. Um, not having much experience in a non-wing car at all. And, and to go out there and, and actually have a shot at winning the race and 
a testament to, to Cruz's stuff. And then obviously you guys working on it and Jerome, you know, Jerome's a really intelligent guy and always put together really nice midgets and, and still does to this day, actually. Yeah, got beautiful. to see his message run a few times. Yeah, uh, they and, just uh, uh, they put Tanner Thorson in their car this last week, and I think he started seventeenth and ran fourth. And then his pavement car—that thing's like a car show museum car. Every time he took that yeah. thing out in the last couple of years, he ended up winning by four or five seconds. And they had a pretty good run, I think, that the night before the five hundred or something like that. Uh, with uh, um, God, I can't think of her name, but they ended up fourth. Shit. Mm-hmm. Who needs Wikipedia? We got Stu Snyder here. Yeah, yeah Stu Snyder and Shane <laughs> yeah, Stewart. I, I mean, remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember racing stuff. But no, we, Shane was always, you know, top of the line driver, top of the line guy. We always had a lot of fun. And like he said, it, it, I think it helped him, you know, running those kind of shows. And, and I know in my experience, running midgets, then running wing sprint cars. I mean, like, like all of us, anything you can drive you know, laps and, and laps and other different, you know, types of classes and cars, it's only going to help you. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was, uh, it was a good time for sure. Speaking of big shows, we got one coming up this weekend with the national open out at Williams Grove. Uh, I know your plan is out, uh, is out there to run it. Uh, what's it going to take to uh, knock off and uh, pick home that 75 grand? <laughs> Did you say 75 grand or the 69K? (laughs) Either or. (laughs) A lot of luck for me. Uh, You know, here's one thing I do have going for me is that I have Bernie in my, in my, my back pocket. Um, You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter uh, who's in the 71, even at Williams Grove, which is such a tough place to get around. And, but, you know, we went out there in the spring and um, were was able to win the first night out and set quick time the second night, and um, felt like we had another great car and, and ended up getting a really bad oil leak, so I had to pull in. But our car was really fast with night, so that's encouraging because I need all the help I can get at, at that track. And um, but you know, everybody knows that weather depending, but it's probably going to be slick as can be on Saturday night, and it's probably going to favor a few guys more than others, but. Um, you know, Bernie's, Bernie's pretty intelligent about getting the car underneath you and, and making your, making you feel comfortable. And that's pretty important there. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. You know, on a normal year, we've had, you know, a couple of really big paying races leading up to this one, but this year, this is the, the highest paid race that we're going to race for. So there's a, you know, everybody's antsy, uh, to, to, to get there and obviously uh, put on a good show for all the fans, but I'm looking forward to it. And, and jumping back to that Bernie, you know, the Andy race parts car, what do you think makes him so good as far as every time, like you said, you driving or, or anybody driving that car, it, it's always up front. It's always fast right out of the gate. I mean, you unload the thing and it's a rocket ship. What do you think, I guess, is different about Bernie to, to the other guys that are running, you know, 70 plus nights a year? to where he's running a handful of shows that are, you know, high paying races. Well, um, <laughs> since I do all the work on the car during the week, I can tell you that it's not, it's not anything special, right? Like it's, it's uh, obviously a well-built car, um, but everything is straight off the shelves from his beach shop next door. Now where Bernie is really good at, he's really good with shots. 
and that's something that you can't go get, right? Like, I mean, you can call yeah, you, you can't get those numbers. You can't get those numbers. And, and another thing that makes Bernie, he has two things. Well, not just two, but several things. But he, he has Charlie Garrett. Uh, Charlie Garrett, I have, you know, I've raced a long, long time uh, and many years in sprint cars, and I have never experienced the power that those motors have. So he has that going for him as well. And um, just a little bit, I've got to deal with Charlie. You know, for a guy that's getting ready to turn 80 and still working as hard as he does and producing, you know, the engines that he produces, it's been a really big education for me on motor maintenance, uh, what he expects you to do, you know, each night, um, trying to keep the dirt out of the engines and how important that is. And, dude, man, I've, guys, I've raced for a long time and I've never even thought twice about any of that stuff until now. So that part of been really cool and then bernie bernie makes really good decisions at the track and i feel like that's his that's his biggest asset is you know bernie's good about watching the race car he's good about listening to driver's feedback and and, uh, i feel like he just tweaks on his cars and and he you know if we're off a little bit he's able to 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 get us where we need to be and and to be competitive so it's been fun racing with it this summer. You know, I, I hate that we can't race full time. I feel like if we could race full time, man, we would, you know, we, we could, we could win a lot of races together and, and, uh, but you know, I get it. It's not, not as his main priority. Everybody knows that going into that, that, that operation, you know, we know that we can't full time with, but man, if we could, it would be a really good, really good deal. Yeah, it definitely sounds like Bernie's a badass. And another badass he'd driven for was uh, Paul Silva. Uh, you had a lot of success with Paul, and right now, you know, 2020 is the year of Kyle Larson. So my question is, really, is it Kyle Larson? Is, it, is he that good, or is it really Paul that's, you know, the man that's uh, making that car so good? Look, I, I've seen Kyle race in other cars, you know, that don't have, you know, a, a person like Paul Silva working on them. And, and he struggles, you know, like the rest of us do, so... I think, um, you know, racing with Paul and knowing how Paul works, his work ethic, and he's another guy that's really good for never driven, and Bernie too, like those guys don't, like Bernie's raced a little bit, but they were micros a long, long time ago. He's never driven a sprint car, and neither has Paul, and those guys, I've always felt like I would make a good mechanic. You know, if I ever wanted to be a mechanic, because I kind of felt like, oh, I know what that guy's feeling, and I feel like I can help that guy as a driver. But those guys haven't ever driven anything, and they have such a keen eye, uh, and they're just smart. They're 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 simple people. They don't do big adjustments, um, and I feel like, you know, those small adjustments give the driver such confidence, and, and you can see it totally. I mean, Kyle and them were, were fast, but they would also have their off nights because Kyle would go race a cup car for a month or two months and then come and race, you know, the sprint car every once in a while. And they were fast, but not like they are now. And I feel like, um, you know, Paul just does such a good job at, at you know, giving you a good car day in and day out. And, and Kyle, you know, we've talked about it, you know, Kyle's able to give Paul really good feedback now where before he would just come in and say, oh, it's loose or tight. But now he's able to give him some more feedback and Paul's been able to work with that. And they got a hell of a package, man. I'm telling you, it's, 
That's a really good it point. Makes- I'm sorry. I'm sorry to it- interrupt you. That's a really good point because in February when he was down in in uh, um, in Florida racing, he did not have a very good Florida tour, and he was racing NASCAR, and now he is racing full-time sprint cars and things are so much different for him. So that's a, that's a very good point that I have never heard before. So that's a, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the more you can get comfortable in a car, you know, the faster you're going to go, you know, whether he was with Paul Silver or not, he would just improve, you know, he would just get more comfortable behind the wheel. I can't imagine going from a heavy stock car that goes 200 mile an hour to a sprint car that you race around Volusia, like the, the difference in feel, uh, you know, with horsepower and weight ratio, like I, I just can't as a driver, I, it'd be, it's hard for me to wrap my head around like what the difference in, in the feeling of both of those cars would be. So, you know, you take that heavy stock car out of the equation and you race sprint car, sprint car, sprint car, sprint car. You're just, you're just going to get a lot better at it. And he's, dude, he's had a, uh, a summer of, uh, I mean, I just, you know, people just forget how competitive we are. I mean, you know, the other night when we went and ran those two races at Eldora, you know, from quick time to the guy that, that qualifies 20th, you're only like a couple tenths and, and, you know, that makes or breaks your whole night at those qualifying laps. And we are all so competitive and so close. And to think of all the races that him and Paul have won, this summer and it doesn't matter if they're with you know all-stars or outlaws or or whatever um it's just impressive man it's it's pretty wild okay to kind of change gears here my goal in life is for my wife and i to own a motorhome and travel the country and see the country you don't do it you and darren (laughs) Pittman have been very vocal about the problems with these things what is wrong with these motorhomes that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars but you guys can't keep them running (laughs) they bounce up and down the road you gotta think they're a damn house on wheels and everything moves and shakes and vibrates and uh i don't know they're just a pain in the butt but if, if you're gonna travel um especially with a family um you just can't do it without it you know obviously i when i traveled i didn't have two kids now i have two kids and uh, we've done the hotels a couple times this summer. And I told Jen, I'm like, absolutely no more. This is painful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you have your motorhome, it just makes things so much simpler. But uh, you got to know you're going to have to work on them, especially as much as we drive them. And, you know, we're not, honestly, we're not the friendliest to them when you're pulling in and out of dirt tracks and back in T-shirt trailers into tight spots. And, you know, most people that have motorhomes, they're, somewhat older and retiring and they drive them down the road to the local, you know, college football game and tailgate or they drive them to KOA. (laughs) Yeah. KOA and hook up and hang out with their buddies. They're not pounding them up and down the road like we do. So, so what are your um, general problems with them? Uh, honestly, you know, you know, knock on wood, like Darren and I, we, we've had pretty good luck with, the motor helms we've had, but it's just little things, you know, and anytime you buy a new one, uh, they all have their own little courts and, and things that you have to figure out about them. But it's typically small things, but a lot of electrical issues. Um, you know, you find out when you, when you work with different 
manufacturers. You find out real quick who has the best customer service. <laughs> and, um, and that's one thing that you try to try to go towards, you know, there's three or four well-known motorhome companies that have really good customer service. And that is huge because there's going to be so many times that you have questions. And if the guy that you're talking to on the phone doesn't know the product for well, but it's a, he'll lead you down a path that has nothing to do with the issue. And you're like, no, 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 no. It's like this doing this or it's doing that. The guys that know they're like, okay, let's go, let's go check this. And if this valve's bad, it's going to lead to, to this solenoid and blah, blah, blah. And then typically you can get things fixed, but, um, they're just, uh, we probably complain a little bit more than we should about them. But <laughs> I feel like I, a couple of them that I've had, I've, I've had to work on them quite a bit, but. Well, I remember two um, or three years ago, I was running the 410 dash at Knoxville and this is like at seven thirty in the morning or something like that, which you drivers are usually not out of bed at that time. So, but I was running and I was running through the campground and I saw you working on your, your, your camper and, your hands were all black and muddy or greasy. And I'm like, what the hell is he doing this early in the morning working on his camper? But uh, it's getting kind of funny that you guys keep talking about the troubles that you have with these camper homes. Yeah, it definitely sounds between yeah. him and uh, Pittman and, and McMahon being stuck at airports all the time. It sounds like traveling sucks ass. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like something I don't want to do. I can say right now, it's, I wouldn't fly to save my life right now. It's, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, I don't know. It, they're not that bad. They 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 just – they're of, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, you have to, you know, we, I would personally, I would budget almost 20 grand, which sounds crazy. And sometimes I wouldn't spend that much, but sometimes I would in a year just on maintenance and getting, Holy you know, stupid, stupid things fixed. And, but that's also traveling a lot. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's going to the West Coast twice. That's going to the East Coast a couple of times. And, you know, we've taken them up into Canada. It's just like, you know, we, we put a lot of miles on them. But wow. I can tell you, the guys, the people that, that I've sold my motorhomes to, I still get pictures from. I still get texts every once in a while from all of them saying, man, this motorhome's great. And I'm like, yeah, you're a jerk. <laughs> I had to fix all those damn problems for it to be a good motorhome, so I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, you had to just fix but, it uh, just right before you sold it, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I wouldn't have traded for anything. I, you know, obviously having my family with me was important and they're towards the end having a t-shirt trailer. Uh, when you're doing that while tour and, and you're racing nine races a year, um, you know, the t-shirt trailer actually generates a lot of money. And, and that was a way for Jim to have something to do and to create another, um, type of income. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to do any of that without motorhome. So. Yeah, definitely. I might bitch and complain about it a lot, but we, at the end of the day, it's it's a necessity if you're going to run that long tour and for, have a family with you. For somebody that doesn't know and just dreaming about a motorhome, pulling that t-shirt trailer does that really decrease the fuel mileage at all, or is it pretty <laughs> much just uh, it is what it is? No, it does a little bit. I mean, those bigger motorhomes that I had at the end there, you know, they have such big engines on them, and, they, and the motorhomes weigh so much. Uh, without pulling anything, you, you pull a trailer. It doesn't really matter. They all get about five to seven miles. Oh my goodness. So you don't, you don't look at the mileage, buddy. You just legger <laughs> and, and when it's out of fuel, you fill it up. That's, that's about all you can do. Wow. 
Yeah, you, you mentioned the Outlaw Tour there for a minute. Uh, I'm in the process of going through old VHS tapes, and I'm kind of in the middle of, like, the 2004 Outlaw season uh, when you're driving the, I, I believe it was that 4M car. Um, I asked Brian Brown this question earlier. If you could go back to 2004 knowing what you know now, what kind of what bit of advice would you give yourself? Oh, man, um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing, uh, don't get so frustrated, you know, um, I would really, really beat myself up. Um, and I still do a little bit, but not like I did back then. I just, you know, I feel like if I could go back and, and, and tell myself to like, slow down, enjoy what you're doing, try to learn, you know, and that's the thing, like, you know, our sport has progressed so much, um, over the last. I would say even four or five years. I told my dad the other day, I'm like, dad, I, I feel like I could be, if I started racing sprint cars six years ago, I feel like I could be just as fast as I am right now, even with 20 years of experience, just with how things have changed and evolved and the shocks and, and the way the tires are now and the way the cars feel with flat wings. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't, when we started, we had great tires. We had, dished wings and I feel like we can go anywhere we wanted to on the track and race around cars and not feel what we feel now with dirty air. I mean, like everybody uses that term dirty air because it's, it's so crucial now where before I didn't think it was that crucial, but you know, one thing, um, that I would definitely tell myself is just like slow down, smell the roses a little bit and enjoy the process because you know i'm i'm winding my career down and i swear it's like it's gone in a flash and uh you know and then and, and on the other side of it like i said you know don't beat yourself up so much you know i i always wanted to try to be perfect and you're not going to have perfect nights you're actually going to have more nights that aren't perfect than nights that are and and uh you know, not, not to beat yourself up about your bad nights, try to learn from them and, and try to make the best of it the next night. And there was, you know, a couple of years that I would dwell on it. Right. And then that bad night would lead into another bad night and then another bad night. And then before you know it, you're, you're 20 races into your season and you haven't had any good nights and your mechanic wants to kill you and your car owner's not happy. And <laughs> I just feel like if I could go back and, and, you know, have a little bit different outlook, on each night race each night like it's good to set goals but i feel like i could go back and and say let's race this night let's not worry about last night or tomorrow that's like really focus on tonight um, my, my career probably would be way different but i didn't do that so <laughs> well speaking of your long career yeah, speaking of your long career, um i i remember coming across you when my uh, father was cone or the 1bk car and we raced with you in the NCRA back in the 90s. And um, so, you obviously, for a guy that's got, you know, thousands of laps, you know, plenty of wins in all kinds of sprint car racing, all kinds of open wheel racing, I'll ask you kind of a question from, from outside here. Let's say you got elected the grand poobah of all sprint car racing. So, in other words, you were, the, you were in charge of all sprint car racing. What is one change you would make to racing today? If there are any, what is one change you would make to racing, to sprint car racing today, to either grow the sport, uh, enhance it? What would are there any changes you would make? Wow, that's a loaded uh, question. Very, yeah, yeah. I'm going some uh, with experience. Yeah, I mean, there's there's 
things, yeah, for sure that I would change. I, I feel like one of the biggest things that I would change is I would, I feel like it needs to be more mechanical, right? Like I feel like it needs to be, whether that's having an open tire rule or, you know, maybe opening the wing rule, you know, where you have a, you know, back in the day we could run a dish wing or we could run a flat wing with a wicker bill, things like that. Like I feel like now I feel like it's all based around two laps, right? Like if you have a good qualifying lap and you start in the front row, your heat and you do run well there, you're typically, you know, unless you're just having a really off night when it comes to the feature, you're typically going to run up front. And very, like you do every once in a while, you'll see somebody come from the back and they might run, you know, sixth or fifth or something. Everyone's like, oh yeah, hard charger, woo. You know, dude, back in the day, <laughs> we used to be able to start, we used to be able to start last and win a race if your car was really good. And I feel like it was more in the mechanics hands. And then I feel like the drivers had to adapt to different situations more. I feel like that's one thing that I would, if I had my way, I would open that up more where it's not just the same tires everybody gets to run, um, the same wings. Um, you know, one thing that I've, I've always um, been encouraged by is the safety side of it. I feel like our sport's done a really good job about trying to make our cars safer. And, um, you know, of course, we've had some, some you know, people pass away in the last, you know, couple three years that that was kind of a freak, you know, a couple of freak accidents. And, and I feel like it's opened our eyes to even more things that continue to get safer at racetracks. And, and that part of it's been really encouraging. Um, and, and, and if I had my way, I, that's definitely one thing that I would really focus on hard is, is going to these tracks, even you know, say you didn't, you didn't have a budget, right? Like you, you could go to these tracks and say, okay, here, I'm going to give you a couple hundred grand. And these are the changes that I want you to make to your racetrack to make them safer. That's another thing that I would do. Um, Oh man. Um, you know, and, and it's funny too, cause Brad Sweet and I were talking the other day. He stopped in the Bernie's, um, shop and, and he was like, you know, I wish the outlaws would let us qualify in our hot lap group. And I'm like, man, like that's a great idea. Cause I feel like then you don't have to have an $85,000 engine, right? Like I feel like I've got 1200 horsepower that I need for a couple laps to get myself put in the right position. And then I have to figure out how to detune that engine to keep it in the track as the track gets slicker. And I feel like if some things were changed a little bit about how we qualify, um, I don't feel like the engine would be so important. Um, so therefore I feel like engines would be erased a lot longer. Um, you'd be able to put more nights on an engine. Um, you wouldn't have to spend so much money on, you know, getting an engine that, that runs really well. I feel like, you know, that would be a way to maybe cut costs a little bit for the car owners. Um, I don't know. Um, I could probably go on and on, but no, that's great. Are, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of changes are, there. That's a lot. <laughs> I got a, I got a question yeah. to follow up with that. You, you mentioned the wings and the tires. If they open those up, would that be more costly for the teams or would it, would it be less costly for teams to do that? I, I, I would assume that with the Hoosiers, they're paying the outlaws money to 
run the Hoosiers. If if they opened that up, would would it be cheaper for the teams because you could make tire deals? You could have Goodyear, Hoosier, McCreary, whatever, Race Saver, not Race Saver, Race, American Racer. American Racer. Would that be cheaper mm-hmm. for the teams to do that, in your opinion? I think so. I mean, back in the day, you know, the Outlaws used to have a mid, mid-year uh, point fund. Um, it was a, uh, four or five nights. I think it was four or five nights, maybe a few more. But the champion got twenty grand, and that was all Hoosier money. We don't. Dude, we don't see any of that money now. Right. And I feel like, I feel like it would definitely open that part of it for sure. I mean, because they would have to, right? Because Hoosier would have competition and they would have their guys that they would try to go after their teams that they'd want them to be on their tires. But I'm telling you, there's tracks that we go to that if we were able to run American racer, American racer would be a way better tire than Hoosier. Not, not on all track services, but some for sure. And uh, I just feel like it would make the racing so much better. And it would make the mechanics have to think, you know, I don't, not, not that they don't have to think now. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, you know, it, it's just, it's just simplified, right? Like we go get our, our 92 inch tire or 94 inch tire, or, or if you, if you've got a car that works well, you can make a 96 inch tire, but it's all the same. You know, we're all racing on the same type of tire, and I just feel like it's kind of made the our racing's good. It's, right. it's not bad. I'm not saying that, but I just feel like it could be a lot, lot better. That's all interesting. Coming, uh, being a fan, I don't know all those intricacies, and that that's interesting to hear you talk about stuff like that that I have absolutely no idea. You're talking a foreign language right now, but uh, <laughs> it's it's really interesting that there's things out there that different opinions and so forth that maybe could change the the way we race and see see competition yeah for sure yeah yeah well and at the end of the day that's why we do it right it's all everybody loves competition and uh that's what gets us out of bed you know we want to try to be better than the next guy and um you know i'm staying at the koa and and the 41 teams here and you know i i pay attention like i watch phil work uh and you know you're you're not gonna outwork phil uh, and it shows this cars are really fast. So, you know, and that's, I feel like that's what drives us all is, is the competition side. So I well, don't know. Well, as armchair, armchair fans really appreciate all you guys do because you guys sacrifice a ton and all I got to do is drive 22 miles to IED Speedway and watch you guys race. And so we really appreciate all that stuff that you guys do. Yeah. Anytime. Well, we love Shane, it. well Shane, before we let you go, um, I got one last thing to ask you, uh, I kind of got familiar with you a little bit more when you were driving the uh, the Rockstar 57 car. And then there's this little group called the Bus House Gang that uh, piqued my interest a little bit. How did you get hooked up with those guys? Um, through Seve. Uh, Seve, um, I'm actually trying to think. You know, when I raced for Scott Choka, um, you know, those guys are obviously big beer drinkers and and, <laughs> and so and Scott and Scott Chilcutt was a big beer drinker and um we just had a big connection and that's kind of where it started was when I was in the in the 4M car and and um you know we've just remained really good friends over all these years and and I've spent a couple nights uh at the at the bus and had a good time with all those guys and you know and the cool thing about it is um you know every time I so, uh, you know, those guys always come by and, and say hello and, 
um, you know, and, and not they, we just don't sit there and talk about racing, right? Like we talk about family and, and how things are going outside of racing. And, and that part of it's really cool. But, you know, that's one thing that my buddy and I were talking about today is, you know, the connections that you make in racing, like you never know where they're going to lead you, right? Like, you know, there's some business things that I've, that I've done over the years and, and, um, it's all, it's all because of racing. It's the, it's the people you meet in racing. And, um, I'm starting to, you know, realize that more and more as, as I, you know, figure out my time driving a sprint car is, is getting fewer and fewer. And, um, and you, you really start paying attention to the people that you meet and where it leads you and, and the connections. And, you know, those guys have, have remained good friends and, and we text every once in a while back and forth and, and, um, you know, they've just been good friends of mine and, and, and big fans and, and, uh, it's been really cool. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say with my experience with bus house gang, I'm extremely disappointed. Um, a couple <laughs> years ago, I finally met Seve and, and I've never met Seve. I knew of him, but we were at IE Speedway at a race and, and we drank a lot of stuff and people don't remember a lot of stuff. But every time I stopped by that bus house gang in, in Knoxville, there's nobody there. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be a dingus or if I'm supposed to be at a neighboring trailer or what, but we got Luke and Dan and, and Sevy. I don't know where these guys party, but it's not at the bus house. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm just missing the boat there. You're, you're on the wrong night, Brad, because every time I've been there, there's been people, you know, passed out on the grass out in front. So you're just going on the wrong oh, night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're, you're picking your days wrong. Buddy. <laughs> it's great that they have that much fun, though. That's awesome. All right, Shane, we definitely yeah. took up more than the 15 minutes that I thought this interview would take. So I want to appreciate it's all uh, good, man. I want to appreciate uh, you coming on, taking time out of your day. Uh, good luck this weekend, and uh, hopefully we find you in Victory Lane because that would be badass. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All thanks right, for having me on. Thank you. All right, thanks, Shane. We'll talk to you later. Well, that was pretty awesome. Shane uh, showed some humor, showed some uh, knowledge, shared some knowledge with us. That's that's, uh, that's why everybody loves Shane Stewart. I mean, he's not won a lot of races in the last couple of years, but the guy he he's got a lot of fans, and and he's he 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 knows how to race still. So, and him and the seventy one car, they 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 should be one of the favorites up there in Pennsylvania for this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we did lose Stu Snyder, uh, some family duties called. So uh, we're not going to have any more uh, Stu Snyder stories on like kind of what we planned. But, you know, with the 40-minute uh, conversation with uh, Shane Stewart and probably, you know, half-hour conversation with Brian Brown uh, pretty much makes this a long episode. And we don't want to make you guys suffer through any more than you already are. <laughs> uh, we appreciate everybody who's stuck around. Uh, we'll have Stu on later on this winter time and, you know, tell some road stories and uh, – Kind of, you know, just talk our normal trash with each other. Faux show. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for jumping on, and we will catch everybody on the flip side.